Welcome to the Sacred Emergence Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Wong, and I'm so thrilled that you're here. This is a place where you'll be guided to living your most aligned life so that your truest, most radiant self can emerge. We'll be jamming on topics ranging from spirituality, entrepreneurship, to wellness and lifestyle design, and everything in between that can support you to grow, evolve, and shine, all the while not taking ourselves too seriously. So if you're ready to step into your leadership, break through limiting beliefs, own all of who you are, and expand in abundance, grab yourself your faith cup of tea, and let's dive in. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Sacred Emergence Podcast. I am so excited to reintroduce you to Megan Clinton, who is a returning guest. Um, I will put in Megan's first interview in the show notes. Um, but I purposely put her interview after um, last week's episode, uh, which was a solo episode around spiritual bypassing, because I feel like my conversation with Megan goes really deep into um, the complexities of being human and holding trauma and, um, and you know, the process of healing trauma. And Megan does such a great job of unpacking um, all of these layers that we have, and uh, it's really an invitation for everybody to go even deeper with their work, with themselves, uh, especially if, um, you know, if you're listening and you are a coach or a mentor and working with clients, um, Megan's work also works with therapists as well. So I really enjoyed my conversation with Megan. And I trust that you will gain lots of wisdom and insights from our conversation together. And if this episode resonates with you, as with any of the episodes that are published, um, please share it with someone whom you think can benefit. Um, and I would appreciate that. Uh, the interviewer, or excuse me, the person being interviewed would appreciate that. And um, obviously, the person receiving um, the recommendation will also appreciate that. Uh, without further ado, here is my interview with Megan. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Sacred Emergence podcast. I am so excited to welcome back our returning guest, Megan Clinton, who's also a dear friend of mine and an amazing therapist. And she was... Um, here last season when we talked about trauma and children and just like how, you know, raising children, um, just like trauma in our lives. And I really wanted Megan to come back to talk about something that is actually, I just think is more prevalent and just, there's so many different topics that I want to talk about. And I'm like, Megan, <laughs> so welcome back to the show, Megan. Oh, lovely one. Thank you for the beautiful introduction. And it's so lovely to be here again. It really is. Yeah, well, we, um, I wanted to, to have you back, particularly around the topic of coaching and mm. talking about trauma, because like, I guess, I think now coaching is pretty like mainstream, like, for, I think so. Like, I think we've all heard of even sport coaches and stuff. I'm talking about like life coaches, business coaches, um, and trauma. And it's because you have a very, I think, a very fresh perspective around it. Um, and then there's other aspects if we have time that I want to talk about. But yeah. 
Mm, I think it's so important. I think, yes, I agree with you that coaching is becoming more and more mainstream. I think as well, also a lot of people go to coaches rather than therapists because therapy comes with so much history, especially for women who have been made wrong over centuries, basically, um, you know, for having emotions or for getting too emotional and have been like burnt at the stake, they've been locked up, they've been institutionalized. So the thought of going for therapy is almost associated with like being wrong in some way and and that they need to be thick, fixed. So I think what happens then is that people tend to then move into the coaching world rather than therapy world. And a lot of the time they're actually carrying quite a lot of trauma. And what's happening is in a lot of different spaces in the coaching world, there's not a good understanding of trauma. And then coaches are faced with holding situations where they recognize something really big is coming up. And there's not necessarily the skills or tools to understand this is trauma and that it needs attending to in a different kind of way. And this is why I'm really um, advocating and I think is already starting to happen in so many different places in the coaching world that the recognition that there needs to be a better understanding of trauma and that coaches need some kind of training in what trauma looks like, either to learn to hold aspects of it themselves or to recognize when to say to a client, I think in this instance with this situation, it might be useful to go and speak to a therapist and then to have, you know, a therapist that they know that they, you know, are working closely with and that the client can then go and do a little bit of work around that and then come back possibly. Or what I really hold is that the coaches, if coaches get training themselves I think that is profoundly important and the reason for that is you know when we choose somebody to work with we go we choose them for a variety of different reasons and when you go out and you reach out and you're feeling vulnerable and you say I choose you and the person says actually you're too much or I can't do this you need to go somewhere else often that person won't go somewhere else because they chose the particular person for very specific reasons so instead when we kind of when coaches learn how to hold trauma and you know in ways it doesn't need to be complicated it does really when it comes down to the crux of holding trauma a lot of the time it's actually learning to listen learning to listen effectively so the person can be heard in a way that when the hurt first occurred, they weren't. Oh, that's so good. I feel like, um, well, trauma, I feel like used to be a word is like, nobody wants to like, it's such a big topic, right? Like, Oh, trauma, let's not even go there. But I just feel like in the recent years, it's just more, it's coming to the surface of like, we all carry trauma. Um, and it can show up in so many different ways and trauma doesn't have to be big life events. It could be little ones, even like small events. Um, and I, I have this mindset of like, everyone needs to get healing, like regardless of if they think they do or don't like go see a therapist, um, that's somatically trained so that it could be processed through the body. Um, and like, I think with coaching, like what you said around a lot of people like hesitant maybe to go to coaches, I mean, therapists um, because of past stigma or whatever reputation. Um, 
I feel like, I don't know, like um, the, I, f- I feel like there's a disconnect when coaches are maybe coaching clients and like there's no movement, right? Or the, there's just something there that's missing. And I, that's, that's another piece I wanted to talk about because I'm like, well, a lot of coaching trainings don't talk about the deeper layers like being trauma-informed, which is a maybe a different conversation because there's different layers there. I mean, there's so many things we can t- touch upon, but mm. it's like, um, yeah, I feel like what you were saying around, like, how do you hold space for a client? And also, like, do they have the skills and recognizing it? Otherwise, it's then it's like, well, why isn't this client moving forward? And I think that's so important. And I think that's something a lot of both the client and the coach kind of come up against. It's like, if something repeats, this can be one of the things, you know, why is this coming up again and again? Or when I offer a client something, why aren't they doing what I'm suggesting? Or, um, you know, why they're being resistant to it? Or why they're moving away from it? Like, or you know, a lot of these things, when we come up against them, and they look like they won't move, or the person won't move in the direction that someone's suggesting, it is then that need to recognize that that's actually probably unhealed hurt and trauma that's coming up there. And instead of trying to push the person forward, then there's that recognition, actually, maybe something needs to be held here. So actually, we need to slow down, we need to listen, We need to be able to hold the person, as you so beautifully saying, you know, that somatic kind of combination is so important because when we're actually bringing healing, what we're trying to do is kind of bring the person back into wholeness. So we're bringing like the emotional, cognitive and the somatic sense all into one so that instead of what happens with trauma is we're mostly functioning from the head up. And so when we are trying to, to process something, to heal from something, we have very little of our our full body experience, which is why the somatic element is so important because we're kind of bringing more of our being into kind of processing something that's coming up. And then we bring more of our being into the world. But just to go back a little bit to, before you jump in there just for a sec, just to finish that off, if I may, it's that... You know, when coaches are bumping up into this kind of nothing will work um, and uh, the client's not doing what I'm saying, what can happen is that it can leave the client going, well, the coach is so good. They teach all these other people to do these amazing things. It seems to work for all these other people. If it's not working for me, there's something wrong with me. And that's the one aspect that can come. So it leaves the client feeling shamed and wrong and they leave. And and mostly they don't have a conversation. They just, you know, you'll people will notice they just disappear. They stop speaking. A whole lot of things start to happen as they shut down. And or, you know, an aware coach might go, is there something wrong with me? Um And a less aware coach might go, there's something wrong with the client. I can't work with this person. Um, They're not doing what I'm saying. They must not be doing the work. They're lazy. There can be a whole lot of judgments when all there is, is there's trauma showing up. And when we understand that, it just, it offers a little bit more light and spaciousness into something that can get quite stuck and leave people feeling wrong or being made wrong. 
And, and I think that's why it's so critically important that anybody working with other people really needs to understand trauma, at least at some level, even if they don't want to work with it specifically, so that when these situations show up, there's an understanding of what's actually happening. Yeah, I, I feel like, um, I wonder if, if there's resistance, like for potentially like coaches to go down that route somehow, like, I don't know, like, just because, um, like you said, like a lot of people will not go to therapy, they'll go to coaches instead. So it's almost like a replacement and hoping that because coaching, I can see it being more action oriented, like, let's move forward. Um, and as you were talking about, like, you know, with therapy, the somatic based, like, I think a lot of times people associate therapy with talk therapy. Like we just talk, mm. <laughs> we can talk for years and years. And, you know, I had one session with this coach and everything was good. Like, you know, um, and so I feel like there's, I don't know. I think there's so many different types of therapy that people don't know that there's different mm. types. And then there's like, um, I think with, depending on the training with coaching, right? Some people are certified, you know, like they, it's based on life experience. It's like, there's just so many aspects. Um, and so that's why I really want to have this conversation just because mm. like, like how, I think trauma in terms of the definition of trauma, like how would you define it? Cause I, I don't think there's one definition. Mm, no. And, you know, there have been a lot of amazing people who have defined trauma and talked about trauma long before me. And, and I found my own way of talking about it. So when I talk about trauma, I talk about, so when a hurt first occurs, it gets processed. So what we're doing is it gets something happens in our body and then we process it. Now, if there's not enough safety or connection, so we don't feel safe enough and there's nobody there that we can connect with, instead of it coming through our body and out, it gets locked away. So trauma can happen at a lot of different levels. It can be, you know, our personal trauma, which can be event-based. It can be um, developmental trauma. And most people are holding a level of developmental trauma because what's happening is in our lineage, um, patterns are getting passed down again and again, and they mostly get passed down through parenting and our experience of having our parents do something similar to what was done to them when they were younger. And then that then informs the collective trauma, the kind of soup within which we swim. And then there come societal beliefs and patterns and all sorts of things that then impact as well. They impact our choice, they impact our autonomy, and our way of kind of being in the world, our passion, our needs, our desires in the world. So when trauma happens, what happens is when there's not enough safety or connection, um, our body becomes flooded and overwhelmed. So as a child, particularly, we are unable to process something unless there's a parent there that can actually be with us and hold us and allow us to process. So we lock these younger parts of us away or from particular events we can lock away. And then when something happens in the present moment that is similar to the past in some way, 
That's when we talk about an activation. That's when the past is coming into the present to be heard. Now, a lot of times in the coaching world, there's a lot of talk about, you know, trying to support people to avoid those situations where they get activated. It's like only surround yourself with people who are like this or, you know, set up a boundary that prevents you getting hurt. Now, there's nothing wrong with boundaries of listening to our yes and no, but when we're trying to hold the world at bay, what we are doing is we're kind of keeping everything that needs to be processed and felt locked in as opposed to going, when that hurts, if I really sit with that emotion and I'm able to be with it, see what it feels like in my body, deeply attuned to it, it actually moves through. And the next time a situation that comes up that looks similar, we don't get touched in the same way. So even though the outside world is still responding to us in the same way, there's nothing for it to touch inside us. And that's what happens with healing is that as we heal, there's less and less gets activated because there's nothing from the past that is getting poked from the present moment. So it's not about sort of doing a whole lot of things. It's more about really staying with and attuning to ourselves and having the connection from the outside world that enables us to really be with these feelings. Because when they happened when we were younger, it feels like unbearable, absolutely unbearable. So we have this sense in our being that this emotion is going to be unbearable to experience when we're older. And actually, once it comes out and we cry, that sense of release is huge. You know, they talk about that thing of holding all the balloons down underwater and how much energy it takes. And it's actually once the release happens, that's far less energy than it was kind of holding everything down. Mm. There was something like... <clears throat> Um, you and I were talking um, around like even like in the journey of with a coach because you know you and I have worked with coaches and mm. and you had this beautiful observation around like um, like once something like once something is achieved you don't know how it was achieved mm. like you know mm. I don't know if we talked about it in our last interview yes yes it was actually it's um, something I remember because we've both been in Melanie Ann Lea's world and her beautiful world and everything and the incredible work she brings. And I remember her saying, you know, people will get to a point in their life um, where they're like, wow, everything is amazing. And they will look back and they will not remember how they got there. And then they will start to teach all the things they did, all the different things that they did believing those are what got them there and that will not be what got them there and when she was saying that I was like I absolutely resonate with that and it's because along that journey we heal because like parenting growing a business it touches all the parts that are unhealed in us relentlessly and we heal along the way and as excruciating as it is we heal and then we get to this place and we go, well, what did I do? And it was actually not about doing. It was actually about the healing, that journey that we took each time something hurt of being able to, to feel that, feel what happened in the past and couldn't be heard, then we feel in the present moment and we cry or whatever we need to do. And then that gets processed. And 
as all those different parts get touched and we progress along that journey in our business, we get to that place and go, wow, I don't know how I got here. And I'll often hear clients say to me, you know, I don't even remember what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. It was so incredibly painful and I don't know what it was. And they're like, I need a lesson or something, don't I? I need to remember what I did. And I went, actually, this is what's so different about the coaching and the therapy world is because in therapy, we're not looking at like, okay, when this happens, you do these three steps. It's more you actually stay with what is and allow that process to take place. And then when it's healed, it's healed. There's no steps needed to go back there. It's moved on. Something else will come up and you'll heal something else. And so there's no need to go, okay, like when I did my journey or this, that, and the other, I needed to do A, B, and C kind of thing. I chuckled to myself and you're like, you don't have to like go back and analyze all that because something else will happen. (laughs) Oh, life. (laughs) Yes, yes, there will always be more. And I think what's so important to realize in this as well is that, you know, it can be so easy, particularly people that hold complex trauma or more complicated trauma from when they were younger, the journey of kind of relating in the world, building a business, all these different things, parenting can be so much more complicated because we have that much more to heal. And it can be so tempting to look at these sort of shiny golden paths that some people are on and go, I want to go there. And in order to go there in a speed or quickly, it means we need to bypass certain parts of ourselves and then our trauma isn't being healed. And I think that's incredibly important. I think in some parts of the coaching world, I can see people go, come here, I've got this code there's like a quick fix to something. And you know, when you hold deep trauma and it's been excruciatingly painful, it's so tempting. If someone says, I can fix this for you, of course you want to go there. Um, And then only to find that the trauma is going to take time. There's no quick fix to trauma. And I think that's one of the things I'd love to see in more parts of the coaching world that real recognition that it takes time it's this Mm. is not a speedy thing um and particularly for people who carry a lot of trauma Mm. i the conversation around bypass because you mentioned bypassing i think it's actually a huge topic um i touched upon it in one of my solo episodes um that i at this time of recording it has not yet been published but it's like there's bypassing through gratitude, which is like, what, you know, um, which I would love to touch upon. Um, but like, there's just so much, cause you look at the spiritual world and, um, there's almost like rising above, you know, like that attitude of rising above, even looking at forgiveness, there's all these aspects of like, well, the body might not be ready. Even logically it might be like, Oh, it makes sense. But the body, so I would love to talk about like something as seemingly harmless as like and good for gratitude, mm-hmm. right? Because I, I see, not even in the coaching world, and I'm, I don't think you and I are picking on the coaching world. It's just it's so prevalent. And there are so many mm-hmm. coaches like, hey, like this, this is another layer that we can all 
improve upon <laughs> to be better right. coaches. You know what I mean? Um, just have more awareness for working with clients, but it's like, I, like I, I was taught even before. Yeah. Like even growing up as a, being raised as a Catholic, you know, it's like, it's all like prayers and gratitude. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's beautiful. And I think there's a time where people jump too quickly to gratitude and they bypass. So I'd love to talk more about that. Mm, no, I love that as well. And it's certainly, you know, everything that I say, it's not to make a part of the industry wrong. There are a lot of parts of the coaching industry that very deeply hold trauma and a recognition that coaches need, you know, to work one-on-one, -on -one, doing their own work, that they need an understanding of trauma, that they need supervision. And there are a lot of spaces this is being talked about as well. So it's just, you know, noticing in certain parts and, and that can happen in the coaching world as it can happen in society, as it can happen in parenting as well. It's not, you know, picking anything out particularly, but noticing threads that can come through absolutely in society and you pick on that so beautifully is that you know this comes through religion it can come through you know just societal norms it can come through education systems of like you know focus on the good don't focus on the bad you know be grateful rather than worrying about what's difficult in your life and sometimes it can be useful and as extreme as this example is I think sometimes it kind of, it's easier to get. So if somebody has depression, um, so we know depression is, you know, really, really hard. A lot of people struggle with it. You wouldn't go to somebody who is struggling with depression and just say, why don't you feel happier today? Because we know that's not possible. And as you know, you laugh. And of course, anybody would laugh because it's ridiculous. But then when you take it to the other end, and when somebody's like, oh, I'm just struggling a little bit in my life, and we go, why don't you be grateful? It is the same thing. It's, you know, I use the extreme example so that you, we kind of really can understand what we're talking about. And it's not that there's anything wrong with gratitude. I think gratitude is one of the most beautiful emotions to feel. But I think gratitude comes from when we process something from what is so I talk a lot about toxic positivity as where when it comes at the expense of what we are really experiencing in the moment when someone makes us wrong for what we're feeling when somebody said oh well you should be grateful for what you have and not feel sad or frustrated or disappointed or angry or rageful about what is happening in the moment and that's when it can be toxic, when we instead can go, okay, there's something from the past coming into the present moment that's needing to be healed. That's what's happening. It's not a bad emotion. Emotions are never bad. They are just emotions. And when they're heard, they rise up in the body and they move through. And that's just a constant process that happens. And when we can allow that healing to take place, we find ourselves naturally in a place then where we feel gratitude, we feel connection, we feel unconditional love. And if we're looking, you know, at achieving a certain vibration, you know, when they measure it, unconditional love is actually the highest one. And that is 
that is our natural state of being is unconditional love. It's not something we have to force. And uh, you know, you hear in a lot of places, we'll fake it till you make it. And I think that's actually bypassing a lot of trauma that people are holding that really needs to be healed. Um, and when we heal that, we do, we, we return to that place. When we, when we heal all these layers, these protective processes, all these ways we've learned to be in the world to keep ourselves safe, they fall away. We're left with a being that is love, that is connection, mm -hmm. that is creativity, that is all these amazing things. Mm -hmm. I love that. I, I feel like um, even just like, like, like the positivity that you said, like toxic positivity, um, like sometimes like it's like naming the thing that is frustrating is to somebody, right? I feel it can be very healing. Just like saying it out loud um, and spending some time like, oh my God, like that was just really annoying and just being able to say it. And I feel like sometimes it just, you know, around like, um, I think this is why I wanted this conversation because it's like, we all want to be upbeat and, and generally positive people um, and not like not be the complainer, <laughs> you know what I mean? But I will say there's something so refreshing when like, oh my God, that was really frustrating and someone said it, right? We don't like, we don't, you know what I mean? And there's just like a sense of relief like when the truth has been spoken rather than, oh, okay, well, I don't want to, you know, be the dark energy or whatever. And um, yeah, so that's like even something as simple as just calling out how we're feeling in the moment, I think is so powerful um, rather than stuffing something down because, well, I don't, you know, I don't want to ruffle feathers or whatever. I love that. And it's so beautiful. And I think there's something, there are a whole lot of elements when you speak like that, when you, when someone's able to say of what's happening in that moment, particularly, you know, if we're in a group and we're naming something for ourselves, mostly other people are having a similar experience and you can almost from a systems based approach or a systemics based approach is when we're able to name different parts that different people are feeling you can feel people's systems start to settle because they something isn't being hidden in a corner. Um, so when we can actually say what we feel, then we can actually cleanly communicate with the other person because they know where you stand. And then we can start to actually have an honest conversation. Whereas when we're trying to keep positive or high vibe, all these different things, we're kind of, yeah, they're bits that are kind of getting locked away and pushed under the carpet and things. And it actually prevents deeply authentic communication. And, you know, for authentic communication to happen, there needs to be vulnerability. And when there's vulnerability and being able to say the things, particularly the things that are harder to say or, you know, are maybe opening something up that most people would like to look away from, it actually allows people to actually connect more intimately when we do that. And ultimately, we want intimate connection with ourselves and those around us. So that being able to be honest about what we're experiencing and feeling in the moment actually allows that intimacy to occur. Mm. 
Yeah, I think that's the piece with like, I I feel like the, the like the more I uh, learn about trauma and just processing my own trauma and just, you know, studying deeper around these areas. It's like when I try to have deeper conversations with people, like depends, you know, I'm like, okay, we, we I can't, I can't go there with this person <laughs> because it's like, uh, I, I just feel like uh, I, I might be, I don't know. It's like, it's very different, the levels of conversation, because I think a lot of times, uh, there's this level of can't get there I don't know I so it's like you know uh there's this thing like when you get as you get older it's really rare to have like five circle of friends that is really really deep and authentic like if you have one or two that's such a gift and it's amazing you know and I'm just like I I understand that now (laughs) yeah yeah no and I think we can we can only go as deep with the others we've gone with ourselves so mm-hmm. yeah they will get to a point where and I think generally in society I talk about like we mostly come up against a wall of disconnection because there is so much trauma held in the world and mostly we're holding that trauma at bay in some way that there isn't that capacity to connect in most places and that it's quite rare to find places where we can actually share something that's hard, be heard, be held, and 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 given unconditional love when we do share. Yeah, and as even like in this conversation, like going back to um, like I find like in a in a like a, a coaching container or whatever, like that's a really great area where we like I think the content like whatever when we were working with a professional or an expert um there's almost like oh this is where I could bring something that you know can that might have come up and I feel like because you have a beautiful program that I wanted to also talk about but I feel like there's so much power in being able to listen and just hold space and not offer a solution and I think maybe there's this mentality out there that that's somehow not enough. And therefore we let's, let's try to solve it. And therefore the gratitude, like let's be in action when holding space and allowing the listening. I mean, that, that is the action. It's just, it doesn't seem as valuable and um, but for the receiving person, that's actually all they really need. I mean, I've experienced that as a recipient. Like, I, I don't want, I just want to be heard, you know? Yes, and, like, and I think, <laughs> I, I think you, you touch on that so beautifully as well, is that mostly we actually don't need somebody to do something for us. You know, we're highly intelligent human beings. Mostly we can figure out the doing part quite easily. Once we've been heard, the doing part comes more easily and it's clearer for us. And that's not to dismiss kind of coaching at any kind of level. It's just saying that when someone's stuck like that, when they're really needing to be heard, that nothing needs to be done in that moment. It's it's being able to create the space. And I think sometimes there is a little bit of that understanding in a lot of places, different places in the world. But how you listen is not simply by going, okay, you speak and I won't speak. There is a process that allows the person 
to continue speaking in a way that feels like the other person is meeting them in each step and actually holding them in a way that they can actually go through from one end to the other um, and be heard, allow the feelings to come up and um, to be processed and to be released. And, And I think so often it's just like you speak, I listen, and then it's done. And often if we don't really feel the other person there, that they actually are with us in the depth of our emotions, that healing doesn't happen because then it's almost like it's speaking into a void. It's like the person isn't there when they don't learn a way of actually staying deeply connected with that person as they process. And also, as you say, and you bring in the somatic stuff, it's like it's really helping them kind of connect all the different parts and although for many people they're like oh that all just sounds so complicated I don't want to learn how to do that it actually can be quite simple we can learn quite simple steps that can very effectively enable somebody to listen to somebody's trauma so that it can be healed um two questions there one is do you think there might be fear around like listening to someone else's trauma and maybe it's like oh my god that activated my own trauma and therefore I don't want to go there like do you think there's Mm. potential fear there Mm. I think there are there are a couple of different levels of fear one is that you know I'm never going to learn these skills it's beyond me you know people spend years learning how to be therapists so um yeah, some of the training that I'm bringing is not to teach someone how to be a therapist, but to listen like one. So it's to learn some easy tools to be able to do it. And I think as well that that is, and I think that's that part of like, it's going to be too much for me. I'm actually not going to be able to hold that because it's so big for the other person. And I think that's why this model of you know, if we're holding other people that we need to actually be getting one-on-one therapy ourselves, not always, but so that we have a sense in our own body of what it's like to be held. Mm-hmm. And we, you actually get something there as well. And that we have supervision. So when our clients bring, because all our clients carry trauma at different levels, but every single client somebody works with will be bringing trauma is that when it comes up, we can go to somebody and go, hey, this and this happened. You know, I did this, but I'm not sure how effective it was. And this is why therapists have supervision as well, because it does take time. You know, you learn the theory, but then to actually be able to practice it and be able to hold it in a whole lot of different situations, because human beings are complicated and and everyone will approach something slightly differently, that you can go to the person and go, hey, how would you do this or what was happening or this got activated in me and then you can process that. So it's a sort of a three-step, you know, we get our own one-on-one therapy, we get supervision and we get training on how to actually hold it. I love that. I always, I think the word supervision always throws me off because I'm like, I'm going to be supervised? They're going to watch over me? Like, what is that? But the way that you're describing it is more like, um, it's almost like mentorship in a way. It's like, oh, I'm working in a client session. This came out. I don't know if it was effective. So you have someone to go to and be like, hey, like, what would you have suggested or was this the right thing? And it's almost like getting mentored. <laughs> yes, that's exactly. It's, I suppose, in the therapeutic world, we talk about it as supervision and we understand very clearly what that means. But it's like, 
okay, you know, these are the clients, you know, this client said something and it touched on something when I was younger and you get to process it so that when you go and sit with your client, you've processed that part. So you can kind of cleanly sit alongside them or it's like, hey, we were working along, I was tracking along, was listening to them and then I asked this question and everything went pear-shaped after that. Do you have any kind of insight as to what happened or what you do next time or we stuck here we keep getting to this place and we get stuck every time we get here and yeah so it's mentorship as to you know different ways you can start to work and it's really having somebody holding your back um, mm. as you hold somebody else I can see how powerful that would be in a coaching um, training and uh, it's funny because now that you say that, I'm like, oh, because I'm getting my breathwork um, facilitation training. And there is, quote unquote, superficial. <laughs> it's, but it's like it's the whole like we have like basically a year of being able to bring questions and uh, to mm -hmm. the like to the facilitator and other people. And I'm like that like when I signed up for that program, I was like, that is worth like that's that's worth the 400 hours I'm doing because it's included that I've not seen other training programs and a lot of coaching programs. I don't see that. Mm -hmm. And so I love that you're calling out like, this is, this would be a really great thing. Um, and so one of your offerings is listen like a therapist. And I, I feel like you offer something similar to that. Um, Cause I feel like that's, you're seeing gaps and this is an opportunity to fill in the gaps. Mm. Yeah, so listen like a therapist has really come out of this kind of witnessing how important and useful and it would be for people who hold other people to have an understanding of our trauma and understand how to listen to it and help their clients heal. So it's for, for mentors, for coaches, and actually even for therapists. I have never seen anything like this um, in the therapeutic world either. And one of the things that I've always has been one of my skills is to have like three days of training and be able to come out of it and kind of succinctly kind of bring it down to, you know, a couple of sentences or paragraphs. So during my own training, some of the, the concepts are really complicated and I found ways over the years to actually be able to explain them really simply. So while we do cover a lot, it's over a month and there are four sessions and then there's Boxer or Messenger support through that so that the people doing it can really um, dive in deeply, ask lots of questions um, so that by the time they've gone through all the different um, elements of it, that they're really clear when they come out the other end of all the theory that I'm bringing. And it's really bringing a kind of a deep understanding to how change takes place and how to support change in your clients, understanding when trauma is coming up. And with that information afterwards, you know, we were talking about the supervision as well. So we learn all these different parts. And I've actually recently added everything that's covered in the training because a couple of people that have done it went, oh, I jumped in and I got so much more than I expected, but I really had no idea what I was going to, you know, receive from you. And I was like, oh, that's beautiful. And I love that people, you know, know me and know what I bring and kind of trusted um, in what I was um, talking about but I thought actually it'd be really helpful so you know if you do go onto the link it now says 
exactly what's included in that training. And then once the training is completed, I offer supervision, different types of supervision. So I offer supervision one-on-one -on -one to somebody who hasn't done the training. And then I offer group supervision to people who have done the training. So then um, that's at a lower cost and you can come in at any time and ask questions. And then there's Zoom calls of which you can get to practice with other people if you want to. You can witness me working with somebody and you can come in um, like we were talking about earlier and just go, you know, I'm struggling with this or this isn't working. So in those spaces, I hold a very high level of confidentiality. And that is that, you know, nothing in that group gets spoken about outside the group in any shape or form so that the people working with those people know that their material, what they've shared, you know, even without their name is absolutely held confidentially. And I think that that element of confidentiality is so important. It can be so tempting in so many places to go, oh, you know, I worked with my client and we shared this and we worked through this in order for other people to understand how we work. And what can happen is that when people witness that, they might actually hold back when they work with somebody because they then go, actually, I don't want to share that because what if my coach or mentor or therapist or one then shares that online and mm. they feel exposed. So I think a lot of healing actually doesn't happen in certain spaces when people witness people being talked about and, and then they actually hold back. So I think the whole I think confidentiality actually needs to be talked about more in the online world that we need to go to somebody and go, are you willing for me to do this? Can I share this? Even though they've shared it online, can I share it in a different space or in a different context so that people always feel safe that when they say something in one place, it stays in that place. It's not taken from one place and shared somewhere else. So I think in the online world, because confidentially isn't held as cleanly is that some of the healing is it's actually constricting healing from taking place I love that I feel like confidentiality is so important and I it's like even like when I share a testimonial like I will always get like I, I want to make sure it's safe to share and I always ask but that's like this is going like not even a testimonial what you're talking about it's like an actual like like in a container <laughs> yeah um which can be really hurtful if it's like oh my god did you just share something that I shared with you like privately yeah I could totally and although names are never used in a lot of these instances it's like it it doesn't really make any difference it's it can be feel quite exposing and I think what happens is other people witness it and then they don't bring the deeper parts because then that feels unsafe. Yeah. So just to clarify, so when you talk about your group holding confidentiality is so like if, a, I don't know, if a person comes in as a, as a participant in the program, do, are they asking for permission from their clients to say, hey, I might bring in your stories? Or like, is that to get permission? Or are you meaning like everything that's shared in the group is not spoken outside like how like so what's you the bring a very important thing and you know when I work as a therapist if I'm receiving supervision at the time 
um, you know, I've done enough hours over the years that I'd now just choose when I um, have supervision again. And then I will say to my clients, at the moment, I'm receiving supervision, and I may take something that comes from our sessions, and it is completely confidential. It won't have your name associated with it, or a lot of the context, it mostly is process-orientated when I take information or I take something to supervision, but that they know mm. that information goes elsewhere and they have a choice then to say yes or no and what I say to them is when I take it it's in service of the work that we do together it is always to make sure that I'm bringing the most that I can and if there's something that could be added to it then somebody else brings more there so it is always in service of the person that I'm holding and so, yes, in part that, and that that's a conversation that then the coach or mentor who then comes into it needs to have with the clients, but it's certainly something that I suggest when mm. there's supervision involved. And, and in any kind of context, you know, when coaches receive coaching and they bring something from their client work that they say, I'm working with another coach and I may at times say to them, I'm really struggling here what do you suggest? And without a name or anything, but they might be material. And that knowing that that coach then won't go, hey, I was online and I was working with my person and they brought this and we talked about that. And suddenly that person hears um, their story being shared. Yeah. And then the other part of it is in my containers that I hold, I hold it very firmly the confidentiality so for supervision in those containers there would actually be a signed document it's like I've read this I understand what it means and it's not to say anything harsh but I think the clearer we make it the safer everybody feels so when everybody signed the same document then everyone goes we're all on the same we're on a level playing field we all know what this means we've all agreed to this and if I step into this space I know exactly what that means so it's actually it's part of how I look at ensuring safety is well held in groups I was just gonna say like that um just all of what you shared it, it feels safe and as like um if I was like, you know, a, a client of one of the participants, I would feel even more held if mm. it was, if it was, if it was brought up, like, Hey, I'm getting additional training for like, you know, like yeah. I would feel like, Oh, awesome. Like, thank you for telling me. And for like the choice of if it's okay or not for myself, like that just deepens the respect that I, I have for that person. You know what I mean? And so I love, I love the parameters that you're, you're having with, um, with this work, because I feel like it, it builds a level of deeper trust and integrity, which I feel is so important. Um, yeah. And I love the clarity aspect because that just, it just keeps everybody on the same page and say, like, okay, like, this is it. I love it. And you know, there are lots. Of, I watch a lot of people do it in like the rules in Facebook groups and everything. And I think it really benefits to actually be spoken in some kind of way, be talked about. Um, and you know, and depending on it, whether it's then somebody actually signs something physically, 
um, I think it makes a big difference as opposed to just ticking boxes. I think something happens actually physically in our body differently. Yeah, I will like, um, even for my breathwork training program, um, the facilitator, she scheduled a one-on-one call with everybody and she went through each of the terms of the conditions. And like, <laughs> I've never had that before. And I was like, oh my God, it just like, this is really serious. <laughs> you know what mm. I mean? But it, it made it in a way it's like, well, now I know consciously that like I'm in this training for the next 400 hours like you know like it just brought the like just the the level of commitment um which yeah I think that's a really powerful thing Mm. so I love that you're offering this for people the listen like a therapist and as you said like earlier when somebody speaks something into a group often the bits that are are not spoken or pushed under the carpet. These are some of the bits that can be unspoken. These, like, what happens if somebody does this or shares this? But when somebody as your beautiful um, trainer and your breath work, you know, called all of you, it's very clear. Then none of it's being swept under the carpet. Everyone, every part is being attended to. Yeah. Um, and that in the, you know, when we're talking about trauma, there's a lack of safety when we experience it. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to, when we're talking about healing, we're trying to tend to all the parts to create a container that allows healing. So the first part is really tending to the safety. And then that's the the holding that's needed for healing to happen. Mm, That is so good. I love it. Um, man, I feel like we could talk forever because <laughs> it's just so good. And I feel like it's, yeah, it's so relevant right now. Mm-hmm. I feel like, um, but yeah, so you're listening like a therapist. Um, is there anything else you wanted to share that, um, maybe a question I didn't ask or. Mm, I think we covered so much beautiful parts and places and I think one of the things that can often come up for people wanting to do trauma training is I think because there's more and more recognition of how important it is I think people fear being shamed and seen for like not knowing enough like there's a whole lot of technical stuff and it's all going to be confusing or very academic or a whole lot of different things. And I think some people can actually step back from it um, for fear of being, you know, made to look like they don't really know what they're doing or that they're wrong. And I think another aspect of it can also be like, you know, am I going to have to throw the baby out with the bathwater? All the things that I've learned to date, all the, you know, the practices that I've learned to date, I'm going to have to throw all of those out and, when I learn about trauma and I think really what you know the program that I offer and trauma trainings are offering is like it's bringing more it's like you know people bring incredible wisdom their passion into the world they're knowing and then when they understand trauma it really allows clients to pick up their work and fly with it Mm. Um, and then those moments where they get stuck and they can't work out why people can't actually take up their work, then they get to understand those, support them in those moments, and then they can move forward with more ease again. 
Mm, I love how you described all of that. It's like, it's just filling in the gaps, supplementing what they already mm. know um, mm. to help it's boost and strength. Yeah, mm. I love that. Um, well, amazing. Well, how can people learn more about your programs and connect with you? So I'm running, so I run um, Listen Like a Therapist in two different time zones so that it accommodates people all over the world. And I used to run them concurrently and it was, yeah, it got too much for me to be able to hold people doing slightly different things a week apart. So I now do one time zone um, over one month and then another month I do another time zone. So if you're sort of in the middle where I am, and um, then you get to choose between two different time zones. Um, but if you're either side of me, then yeah. So we're running one that's more kind of, I think, American orientated in August. And then in October, it's more Australia, you know, Europe um, orientated. But I think Europe can pretty much in the UK can do either side. Um, yes to mention Megan is joining us from South Africa (laughs) (laughs) yes Um, the southern hemisphere where it's now winter and cold and yes watching all of you in your beautiful summer (laughs) yes (laughs) Um, all rugged up here and what else yes so once you've completed it it runs over a month and therefore um, calls over zoom and and then during the week, then we have a group Voxer um, that you can come in and ask questions. And then afterwards, there's that option for supervision. And Amazing. yes, um, the link will be in the show notes for those that want to learn more. And then you're also um, you can people can find you on Instagram and. Mm, so they can find me on Instagram, LinkedIn and um, Facebook. And it's all under Megan Kate Clinton. Amazing. So all the links will be in the show notes. Oh my gosh. I just love, I just love talking to you and all that you bring. So thank you for being a returning guest and for sharing your wisdom. Mm, thank you, lovely. And for yeah, your beautiful questions and insights and understandings. It's been really lovely to be here. To help you feel more supported and nourished in your body and nervous system, you're invited to download the free I Am Supported meditation in the show notes. May you feel grounded in who you are as you become the fullest expression of yourself. Thank you for listening to the Sacred Emergence podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And thank you in advance for sharing with those who can benefit. Until next time.